SiriusXM presents Stanford Pathfinders. Stanford has 225,000 alumni living all over the globe in 151 countries. And they're some of the most amazing people you would ever want to meet. A show about how the graduates of Stanford University are changing our lives and the world. We'll hear very interesting things from business leaders in the technology sector, but well beyond that. The worlds of politics, entertainment, business, and beyond. Inspiring stories from America's innovation heartland. It's a place where people look to the future, not to the past, where they don't rest on their laurels. Think about the gold rush. Think about Stanford being formed in the late 1800s. And then Stanford was the beginning of Silicon Valley. And the ethos of Silicon Valley is deeply embedded in the Stanford spirit. It's a spirit of innovation, experimentation. It's a spirit of being willing to try new things and risk failure as long as you fail forward. Welcome to Stanford Pathfinders. Professor and founding director of the Institute for Healthy Aging. Our societal interest that has really kicked up in the last 20 years in being engaged in uh, seeing what's happening and telling the story. An expert in aging in America. We are committed to, in our scientific work, in the pursuit of social justice, equity, and the reduction of inequalities. This week on Stanford Pathfinders, Carol Estes. Now, here's your host, Howard Wolf. Some things are simply not open to debate. And one of the things that all thinking men and women agree on is that America is aging. Demographers routinely display the data to prove this reality. And we who live here in the United States can see this phenomenon daily with our own eyes. More than 50 million Americans are 65 years of age or older, representing 16% of the total U.S. population. This number stands to grow to 95 million Americans over the age of 65 by 2060, representing 23% of our population at that time. The graying of America is real. The aging of America presents some wonderful opportunities as life expectancy increases and the ability to engage in multiple careers over one's life increases. But this aging of America presents some huge challenges as well, from concerns about how to continue to fund Social Security to how to promote healthy, productive aging. Today's guest on Stanford Pathfinders is Carol Estes. Carol is a Stanford alumna from the great Stanford class of 1959, a professor emerita at UCSF, the founding director of the Institute for Healthy Aging, and an accomplished author who has written numerous books, including Aging, A to Z. Most important for today's discussion, Carol is a much sought after speaker on the topic of gerontology and aging. In summary, Carol Estes has spent her entire life focused on the subject that we are discussing today. She is the perfect expert to engage on this topic of aging in America. Carol, welcome to the show. Thank you, Howard. So let's stipulate that the US population is aging. So who cares? I mean, why does that matter? And what are the issues that concern you most about our aging population? The most important issues are quality of life uh, throughout the lifespan, which starts very early uh, in the womb, pre the womb. That's another whole story. So it's a continuum. A continuum uh, called the life course, across the life course. And economic and retirement security 
for our peoples. Justice, social justice and fairness is a passion of mine. And life course inequalities are of great concern and need much work. So am I to understand that the aging of American population is exacerbating these issues? That we have a bigger issue now that the population is getting older? We have a bigger issue because our society defines an older population as a crisis, as something very negative instead of the positives of what we have achieved that are enabling us to live longer and to live healthier and to uh, return from illnesses and uh, issues that are health issues that are extremely, uh, were extremely difficult and continue to be difficult. I'm, I'm really jazzed by the, uh, the whole scientific area of telomeres and uh, mortality and morbidity research, which speaks to how it is entirely possible that the genes and the environment are definitely interacting and are modifying each other, which opens very wide doors to resurgence, resilience, return of lost functions in the present and in the future. So you've got a positive outlook. Yes. All right. So many cultures appear to elevate older citizens as exemplars of virtue. But, but we here in the U.S., on the other hand, seem to be obsessed with youth. So how does this obsession with youth here in America uh, manifest itself with how we treat older Americans? It almost seems like they're lost. Older Americans are uh, very poorly thought of in terms of image and in terms of language. Ageism is a concept that is used to describe this phenomenon in our society, and it very much affects how people think of themselves. We know issues like the looking glass self, self-fulfilling prophecy. Many of us have heard of them all our lives. Our self-esteem, our belief in our capability to do things, our interactions and engagement are all affected and our health by how others view us and consequently treat us. And that includes health practitioners as well as scientists and the kinds of questions that they ask and pursue. So societally, we don't give our aging population credit for what they can add um, in value. Absolutely. But more importantly, we don't give them credit for what they've already contributed to society. And the typification of elders as uh, greedy geezers is an example of a very difficult, disastrous kind of stereotype, which says that we have not paid into our social insurance programs. We have not paid our taxes. We have not built this economy. We have not contributed to everything that is ours as a nation and in the, in the public sphere. So we don't give our older population credit for what they've done to build the country that we have today. Right. And the intergenerational relations that make that possible, because at the same time, uh, we have raised the children. We have 
educated the children. We have um, taught them what they need to know and up to the point of their being cared for as children and teenagers and adults. Are we an ageist society today or have we always been ageist? Have we always felt this way about the older segment of populations in America? When I came into the field in the 1960s, it was a period in which the elderly were pitied and considered to be a social problem, uh, which was not their fault. And there were a lot of programs that wanted to uh, see them or did see them as deserving and uh, needing of benefits. However, that has changed now. Our concerns are much more the debt, uh, the cost of aging seen in negative terms instead of contributory terms and what they have ability to contribute to this point on, plus the whole scientific and medical industrial complex has grown up uh, in a way that has, in many respects, treated them as dependents and as commodities buying services and not a whole lot more. So the the, uh, the training and the workforce that we need for this population is significant, and study after study from the National Academy of Sciences and the most elite, effete commissions uh, substantiate that. So understanding that ageism exists in American society today, it appears as if it has a special um, effect on women. Could you talk a little bit about that? How do women sort of present differently than men in this topic of ageism? It's very interesting that women have been seen as the uh, beneficiaries of longer life. However, uh, that distance between aging and death has been reducing somewhat for women and for uh, middle class People. So does that mean that men are living longer than they used to be? Uh, yes, and women are not living as long as I they see. used to be. The uh, most important thing about women is patriarchy, and that is the system uh, which we have had for many generations since the nation was born with men in charge of public life and policy and rules and business and economics and so forth. And women have been the caregivers, and they still are the caregivers. They perform 80% of the care for elderly people, and they do not uh, experience anything other than work that is expected. It's endless work from the time of being a young girl till they're uh, in need of care themselves. And the care the care penalty is significant. So women... What, what does that mean, care penalty? There is a penalty for... There's an economic, psychological, physical, uh, mental penalty that women experience by virtue of 
the caregiving that they give. So I think I, I think I know what you're talking about. So I have a lot of friends whose parents are now in their 90s and need care. Invariably, it's the daughter that ends up caring for the mother or the father. It's right. not the son. Right. And and so that falls unduly on her to take care of her ailing parent, not on her siblings, the male siblings. That's that's generally correct. And it is a case that in caregiving, these women are also contributing financially to the parent or the grandparent or the great-grandparent. At the same time, they're especially if they're single moms, they're contributing to their kids in disproportionate amounts. To the ultimate what, sandwich generation. Yeah. I understand. Yes, it, it's a, it's a four-decker. Okay, so as I, as I read your works, your books, your papers, and what have you in preparation for today's discussion, um, you have these great terms, one of which is watchdogging. What does that mean? Watchdogging is a phenomenon that is related to basically investigative reporting <laughs> on one's daily life. Uh, the the uh, hashtag culture, black lives, uh, women, me too, are all examples of our societal interest that has really kicked up in the last 20 years in being engaged in uh, seeing what's happening and telling the story, being present and being co-present with others and telling the story. And so how does this relate to the aging of American society? Is this to sort of call out a bad behavior as it relates to um, our older population? Well, some of it is calling out bad behavior, which is talked about as elder abuse is a concept. Is that a huge issue in America today? It is a, it is a significant issue uh, in America today, and all our institutions, including our financial institutions, uh, need to do more work on that. There is a whole El- Elder Justice Act, and there are many uh, provisions that are variously being met, but the uh, extent to which there is injustice in the world, the watchdogging and the watch bitching uh, is... I'm sorry, was that watch bitching? Yes. I see. Is a a term that uh, Maggie Kuhn, who founded the Gray Panthers many years ago, took to great advantage. And she had elders all over the country watching the media to see how they were treating the elderly and making jokes off of the elderly. And she uh, took on Aunt Blabby and um, Johnny Carson for his putting down older people. And she took that to the Federal Communications Commission, and we got uh, enactments that were about prejudicial reporting and So this labeling. is about cultural change, right? Yes. That, that culturally we used to make fun of those who were older. We used to call them feeble or this or that. And, and what you're talking about is a societal cultural change to no longer do that, to embrace yeah, the aging to call of out, To call out. But let me give you another example Please. calling out. 
the whole concept of a abjection or of thinking of people as uh, things or not things, really non-existent, uh, happens when we label people as having cognitive impairment or Alzheimer's disease. So there's a whole process whereby the labeling of people creates very negative consequences, and it's a loss of personhood, maybe a loss of personhood for those people who are labeled as cognitively impaired. And it, it impairs all of their interactions, their family, they're isolated in many respects. So what do you counsel in that kind of situation? If you have a sibling or a parent who has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, you want to make people aware that they have something, but you don't want to make that be all that they are. So we don't say someone is diabetic. We say they have diabetes, but that right. does not define them. Right. Is that what you're saying? That That's what I'm saying, but more, because there's an enormous amount of work. This is the year of the brain. Enormous amount of research, and at this fine university as well, on the brain and uh, the brain sciences and the environment-brain interaction whereby the cellular system and immunology changes with negative inputs. So the injuries and assaults that we experience of discrimination, of poverty, of uh, uh, brutality being violated are things that actually get into our genes. This is Stanford Pathfinders. I'm Howard Wolf. More with Carol Estes, professor and founder of the Institute for Health and Aging. This is Stanford Pathfinders. I'm Howard Wolf, and I'm speaking with Carol Estes, professor and founder of the Institute for Healthy Aging. You write a lot about the, um, the nexus of civil rights into the aging of America. So when I think of civil rights, I think of race, ethnicity, gender. I don't think of aging or age as being a part of the civil rights mix. Am I just wrong or am I thinking about things too tightly? The issue is inequality. Inequality across the board, race, class, gender, age, ability. LGBTQ, all of these and other dimensions are very important in a democratic society, a society that believes in and is committed to uh, a democratic social order. The uh, extent to which something, a hot button issue now is a cumulative advantage and disadvantage, and that is the findings and that are very well documented that with more insults to one, violence, poverty, uh, discrimination, these things contribute to the ability to accumulate or be disadvantaged across the life course, and these add up. They're cumulative across the years. We used to think that with aging there was a leveling because there was Social Security and there was Medicare, and so that people would be becoming less unequal. Is that not the case? And that's not the case. And it, it, there's there are enormous 
wealth gaps, enormous uh, racial wealth gaps uh, and income and gender. And this is something that is uh, very important in the discourse today. So most people know that gerontology is the study of aging. But you've um, used this term that was new to me and I suspect will be new to our listeners, emancipatory gerontology. Now that's a mouthful, emancipatory Gerontology. I know what each word means individually, but together, what is that concept and why is it important to you? Well, the concept is to convey the fact that we are committed to, in our scientific work, in the pursuit of social justice, equity, and the reduction of inequalities, and fairness, and intergenerational justice where all generations are benefiting. And how do we get there? We have enormous, wonderful research, much of it here at Stanford. Thank <laughs> on, you for that plug for Stanford, Carol, as an alumna. I appreciate that. Uh, for the in, intricate and brilliant research on aging across the life course. However, we also need to give equal attention to what works to actually create social justice in terms of healthcare, getting access. So the child maternal uh, mortality uh, of mothers that are of concern right now. I'm talking about an earlier phase in the lifespan, but these are issues of social justice that need to be studied. What are the laws doing? What are the regs doing? What are the institutional sexism and racism and so forth? What is it doing that can be dealt with by policy and practice? So you mentioned earlier that you've been at this work since the 1960s. So you've been doing this for more than 50 years. You, this has been your focus of your life. This has been your passion. This has been your mission. It's been your calling. Are we any better off today than we were 50 years ago as a society as it relates to our views on aging? Or have we made some progress but not nearly what you would hope for? We have made a lot of progress uh, and and mortality and morbidity statistics. So we're living longer, right? And somewhat healthier, right? But the the social inequality in our life, the lives of millions of Americans, and the loss of security for millions of middle class people it carries right into old age. It means spending down one's resources if one has been lucky enough to have retirement benefits other than Social Security, that spending that down because of job losses and so forth. So large historical social forces have contributed, and we're now very much aware of them, wars, catastrophic weather events. All of the kinds of things that create disability and uh, loss of our base that we were able to accumulate having housing, the ability to afford housing. The 2008-2009 Great Recession took the bottom out of so many millions of Americans, and they're now moving into aging, and they 
their children similarly uh, had more difficulty. So it's really the difficulties in our global social forces, even including the environment, that are playing through and on uh, our institutions and our populations, and the vulnerabilities are achingly. Well, you know, I'm in that evident. sandwich generation, right? So I'm I'm 61 years old, and um, I have a lot of friends, as I mentioned earlier, who are or caring for their parents, and they find themselves, even with Medicare, that they want to put mom in an assisted living facility or a skilled nursing facility, and then the out-of-pocket costs above and beyond Medicare are such that that's going to tap mom's savings pretty darn quickly. And then, and the, then the younger yours. generation right, starts looking at it. So how does health care play into all this? Well, universal health care is an absolute must in our country. The combination of having a contributory universal benefit like Medicare, but much improved, and covering everybody, whether it's Medicare or whether it's something else, it is the idea that we've all contributed and we all contribute, then we can all, we can afford it. We have a universal risk pool. There's a huge economic science around how important the universal risk pool is. All right. So I have one final question for you. And it's the toughest question I'm going to ask during this entire show. If you could snap your fingers and change all that is wrong with how America views elders in society today, what would you change? You know, two or three things. I would definitely universal health insurance for all generations okay. because the elderly are taking care of those generations long after it is their own old age and tapping them okay uh, as well as young people coming into the workforce healthy and okay universal so, health care okay a contributory social insurance package and that means that we're paying into it everybody's paying into it so like social security but on steroids well, it's contributory. It it could be a fraction of a percent of okay. equivalent of payroll tax contributions, right. which would have universal family care in it, would have the early child care, which is enormously costly, uh, and education, and paid family and medical leave, and uh, long-term care services and supports. How can we afford all this if we have a universal single payer, or whether it's single payer or multiple payers, but where we're all contributing. Universal. Everybody is contributing and everybody is covered. That's, that is the most important. I would add to that the uh, ability to the right to vote one person, one vote. Our, our democracy is in peril. Our uh, future is in peril because of that. And the addressing the inequalities which these proposals or plans or snapping my finger and making it happen. Uh, well, I don't have the power to give you that power, but I thank you for that answer. And thank you so much, Carol, for being on the show. I really appreciate you being with us here today. Thank you for listening to Stanford Pathfinders on Sirius XM Insight. 
Listen to this and other episodes anytime on demand with the SiriusXM app.